0: This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Episode five. The Four Horsemen. Minus one, but we've worked out a schedule. He'll be back next week. It's your host Nick with our boy Steve. And our neighbor to the north, Chase Claypool's childhood friend, his vice president or prime minister, whatever they do in high schools up in Canada, Dylan. And here we go. What a week. What a week. Uh, Before we begin, kind of housekeeping, we are on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, five stars. We have five reviews right now. Four of them are five stars. True to form, someone gave us a three-star. We are four and a half stars right now on iTunes. So let's get that back up to five, even though the stats won't uh, help us out there. Cats climbing on stuff. So anyway, what a week. Steve, uh, why don't you give us your thoughts first uh, recap the Wake Forest game?
1: Uh, it feels, feels fantastic. Finally have something to look forward to. Finally have a, a fun recap. You know, I mean Michigan was great, but that was that was very stress-filled. This was just a fun game. I can feel it down in my plums. Um, just just we got juice, we got energy with this team, with the offense. Um, you offensive line looked good and in all facets of the game. I, we started a little bit slow. I, I I did tweet out that you know to feed me Jerkovic, I wanted him. Uh, earlier than than the fourth quarter, I wanted him in that after like the second drive. But hey, you know what? Um, Gotta give credit to uh, to the team. They stuck with it. Ian Book, Electric Factory, and the team is is looking. <sighs> we're looking like we can finally start to compete on on the offensive side of the football with uh, as a top ten team. So that's that's. Um, I mean, uh, we can definitely go more into depth, but but, uh, but Nick, uh, hit me with some with some thoughts here.
0: Wake Forest, they didn't stand a chance from the beginning of the game to the end. It was a total decimation of a football program. We got their defensive coordinator fired, and I didn't look up the numbers. I saw live. I am very pleased right now. I am very happy to be a fan. This was the first week I was truly entertained, not stressed at all. It was a peaceful, peaceful time in the Wagon household.
2: Yep. Pretty much the same thing here, you know. Um, I kind of said last week maybe we need to get on the road, um, but I think more or less we needed to get a quarterback change. Um, I'll admit, going when it happened, I didn't know it was going to happen, and I was a little surprised. I, I wouldn't have gone with Book, um, but I understand why they did because Brandon Wimbush was not playing well, um, despite playing well against Michigan. But Ian Book stepped up, had a fantastic game. we got to give that kid credit. Um, one of the better performances I've seen, I think at quarterback, I mean, we weren't playing a great opponent, but still, um, it's a big win. It's an emphatic win. I think it kind of puts a little pressure off of us. Um, because they're starting the narrative was starting to be, Oh, it's only a matter of time now before Notre Dame slips up, you know, they're not that great. Um, that win against Michigan, was it, you know, was that a fluke? Um, and I think kind of putting Wake Forest to bed helps, um, kind of also kill that narrative. And now we're on to the big one, right? Um, you know, that, that was a pretty good game going into this week. We didn't overlook Wake Forest. Um, our defense kind of gave a high amount of points. I think a lot of that was kind of garbage time. But still, um, we weren't perfect. Uh, I mean, I think we started off the game down 3-0, right, and everyone lost their mind. So uh, we, can, we can get better, which is good news. Um, but that's the kind of performance we needed. Um, offensive breakthrough. Um yeah, I, I swear Notre Dame is just the Dallas Cowboys. I watch them two interchangeably. Both of them can't seem to get an offense going. Although, credit to uh, Kelly and the
0: book. You know, they got it done this week. That they did to the tune of 56 points.
1: Yeah, and I think the 56 is like our highest point total in 19 years, which ironically, hey, uh, can you guess the last team we put up 56 points against?
0: That was Stanford.
1: hey let's go. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, there's just a lot of optimism. I'm not worried about us giving up a bunch of yards and a bunch of points. A lot of that was pretty much garbage time. I mean, we knew at halftime that we had this game in the bag. And at that point, um, you know, you're not attacking as much on defense. It's more of just don't give up the big play and and don't let them back in it. So I'm not worried. Uh, You know, I think our defense still played great. Offense played great. Special teams played great very happy with the performance for once i can i can wholeheartedly say that uh, everything went about as well according to plan as it could have
0: but now just to just to make that point abundantly clear it's part of it is ian book being able to be a more uh, vibrant passer but also you have to think the confidence levels of him they're up He is 3-0 as a starter. Technically, he came in at halftime against uh, LSU for that game. But I know the joke I make. He's the most proficient scorer in Notre Dame history. But when you look at it, he's more confident. He feels more comfortable playing football. And as a quarterback for a football team, that's what you need into detail about how Wake Forest's corners uh, played press and then they went soft, so that opened up the pass game even more, running those underneath routes. Uh, we could even talk about how our running game is a, a four-headed monster with Williams back this week. But what we really should talk about is Notre Dame going back to the single wing. Uh, from running four running backs out there, using a the combination of Book or Wimbush, we – you have to have all of those running bets on the field. And let the center decide who he snaps it to every play. Stanford would not know what's coming. <laughs> That's my statement. I am leaving it at that. Notre Dame, come back to the four horsemen. Run the single one.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think we should be kind of careful with, you know, fully trusting Book. Because, like I said, after the Michigan game, Brandon Whitbush could suck again, that it turns out he did. I mean, Book wasn't great last year. There was, He threw a lot of picks. I mean, he was great in the LSU game, but even then, you know, there's a few balls. Um, so we're, we're not going to act like Book is the savior of this program. No, that's
0: Phil Jurgenic.
2: Yeah, that will be Phil Gergert, um, for sure, who almost threw a bomb for a touchdown.
0: Uh, I I touched on this uh, multiple times throughout the week, and that that pass, the incomplete pass that he threw, Went fifty yards in the air, and <laughs> it was the best incomplete pass I've ever seen. There was a, have t- a bias at all. It, it was it was beautiful, but we'll get to that later. Um, You know, I I really don't want I want to put a, a put a bookmark on um, on the, the game and really just say you know it's good to see Notre Dame can score points and. Uh, we're going to move forward, but before we move forward, let's talk about Phil Djurkovic. I know a lot of us have some opinions on him, so here we go. Steve? Good old Phil Djurkovic. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, only only saw a handful of
1: snaps uh, from him. Unfortunately, it was only one drive, right? And it, it did eventually stall out, but I love... I am he literally...
0: Me. He took our victory formation, so...
1: <laughs> I am in love with an 18-year-old boy. <laughs> I I am head over heels. I'm I just I just want to give him a big hug and maybe a big smooch on the on the on the on the cheek consensually, but I am I I'm just absolutely smitten by Phil Jerkovich.
0: He's gonna be yeah. the next baker Mayfield, except without the whole Browns thing.
1: I, and it's actually it's, it's curious to see how it's gonna shake up in the future with the quarterback position. Um, I expect Wimbush at this point to pull the, a Malik Zaire. Um, grad transfer and probably do one more year in college, maybe a a different program. Uh, He's from New Jersey. Who knows where he would go? Possibly Penn State because Trace
0: McSorley's gone. Uh, He could go to Rutgers. But um, the the (laughs) one thing, uh, One Foot Down, my favorite podcast sponsors, guys, uh, picked us up. Uh, They said that Wimbush doesn't benefit from the uh, four-game rule because it's really for freshmen and underclassmen. But he's he's already redshirted, right? Exactly. That's the other thing. People are forgetting. And I'm seeing on Twitter, "Oh, he'll take his fourth year. He only played three games. He, he was no one remembers he was a red shirt at all." Yeah, yeah he's like, he's
1: currently a redshirted junior. He's in his fourth year. He's a true senior, redshirted soft uh, redshirted junior on the field. Um, what he could do, I think, one of those things where he would pl- be able to play immediately is to be able to pick a grad program at a different school that the major isn't offered by Notre Dame?
0: Uh, That's what our good friend, Montgomery Van Gorder did. He's having a hell of a year down Um, at um, Youngstown state. We may have to be a Youngstown state podcast for the uh, FCS playoffs. uh, (laughs) With Montgomery Van Gorder, MVG for MVP. And uh, one last point to that Uh, there was Kelly Bryant uh, transferring. He kind of took his ball and went home. I'm sick of that. You you got benched, big deal. Yeah. You're going to being in the NFL, but his stats were terrible. And yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, at, at least with Winbush, um, I think we've we've all come to the same consensus. He's a great kid. And we all want to see him succeed. We've all wanted to see him succeed. I, especially last year, was so critical of him, but it's because I knew that he was an absolute stud and he's an athletic specimen. And there's nothing I would like to see more than Brandon Wimbush playing on Sundays. I don't think it's going to be at the quarterback position, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he can find a QB whisperer, a coach that can get into his head because I think 99% of his problems are honestly mental. Um, You know, we know he's got a rocket
0: arm. It'll be like Arna's battle.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: I, I wish nothing there. but success
1: for the kid, and and to you know to be quite frank, I, I mean, I I wish he was still the starter because if he was still a starter, that means he's he's putting up monster numbers and leading like basically a Heisman like campaign with an undefeated team. The circumstances are he's not performing. Um, he's likely going to finish out the year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We don't need him because that means that if we don't need him, that book is playing great. And he's healthy, uh, and then Wimbush, you know, is, is as I mentioned, you know, likely gonna gonna move on, which is perfectly fine. Wish him all the all the success. He's a great kid. Can't can't say anything but positive things about him. Off the field, on the field, he's an absolute athletic specimen. He just does not fit the quarterback mold uh, with the expectations of Notre Dame, which we know are are high. You know, it's it's a t- it's a pressure cooker to come play in.
0: I'm gonna throw something really. Weird out there, and if this is right, please credit Four Horsemen Podcasts, Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I I coached that system. I coached the Justin Elizam spread option offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, it's contingent on these RPOs, and not to get it too technical into the stick routes that the uh, receivers run, but it's all based off of the the read option. And I know he can't throw a five yard out, but at (laughs) the same time. Gus Malzahn will get him to play at the level where he has to in that system. Notre Dame is running the same type of scheme. If you really break it down, they're running this RPO or spread option offense. And I could see him playing out of Auburn. He could even play, you know, in the Midwest somewhere. Not Wisconsin, obviously, but uh, yeah. I could see him playing where it allows him to run more. And the Scott Frost more. needs a QB. <laughs> So I oh Nebraska.
1: I mean, Nebraska, Penn State, Auburn, um, you would imagine Missouri because they're losing uh, who's their QB? I forget his name. I don't watch Missouri football. Uh, I mean, their QB is gonna probably be a top five pick. Um, but his name is escaping me at the moment. But yeah, I mean, they he's a legitimate QB, I think. um i just I just don't think. Uh, at Notre Dame, he it's gonna work
0: out. Um, it is what it is, though. We got four horsemen right now. I personally have four. Uh, you know, we're gonna do a little bit different style this week. We're gonna go back and forth here. Uh, first, uh, my fourth horseman, number four, was the kicker for Wake Forest. Actually, <laughs> he's a media darling. He's a freshman. Um, I feel so bad for that kid. Um, for the brand. He, He stood on the sideline when they were supposed to be kicking that field goal. He runs out. Jess, just just Montana on one foot down. Sub Jess did this like play by play of the that play just broke it down. The kid had 19 seconds left on the play clock when he sprinted out there. That's the fastest a kicker has ever run (laughs) on the field, and he just blew it and. I mean, they did go for it seven times against BC. You figure they would go for it every time against ND because they're an underdog at home. But poor kid. You get the fourth horseman out of pity this week. What about yours?
2: Um, Well, I will point out Notre Dame and kickers, man. What do I tell you? But uh, my fourth uh, horseman this week is going to go to uh, Drew Tranquil. Um, I'm just fascinated with this guy. He's been so good for Notre Dame. Um, this week he had eight total tackles, six solo. He had a uh, one and a one sack and two tackles for loss. Um, pretty impressive stuff. He was flying all over the field, made big plays and big moments. So number four for me is Drew,
1: um, but it could have gone
2: to a lot of guys. I thought uh, I thought we played well today. Or Saturday.
1: and
0: uh, uh, Steve, who's your fourth horseman?
1: Uh, Chris Chris Fink Finky.
0: I don't know how that how open. do you say it? Is it I, finky you know, or Fink? I just yell, catch the goddamn ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he made some future plays on, on future patriot, we'll call him. Future pa- absolutely
1: a future patriot.
0: Unfortunately. Uh, I'm not sure if that's racist or not, but Chris, you are allowed to live in my house. I have a lovely couch. If you're allergic to cats, we'll figure something out.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean he, he made the plays in the special teams. He had the the punt return, which just about went to a touchdown. Uh, he brought it with uh, inside the five, and then we scored like two plays later uh, on the punt return. He had, um, let's see, he had four catches for 41 yards. A couple of those catches, after he makes catches, he is one slippery son of a gunman of our team, and I'm excited to see now that we have a quote-unquote passing attack uh, to see how he's going to start to shape up uh, coming
0: out of the slot. And just one more thing on, on Chris, uh, we have, I have my friend, Brad, he uh, breaks down draft profiles for uh, this website that escapes my mind. We'll have Brad on before the end of the season to talk about Notre Dame's receivers. But uh, the first game I was talking to him and I said, watch 10, like, but do a, do a breakdown on 10. And he said he fits the mold of a, of a Patriot receiver, not just because he's white, but, because he plays that gritty style of football and, uh, like, like an Edelman.
1: Yeah, no, he's a, he's a shifty little son of a gun and he's definitely gritty. And if there's anything that this guy over here loves, it's,
0: it's grit. All right. Third horseman for me this week. Uh, no surprise. We've been on the Phil Jerkovic train, uh, for a while now. He's my third horseman. He got time on the field. He didn't look the best. He it's Phil. He's going to be great. He was Mr. Pennsylvania, and he just is going to be a stud out there. That's all I have to say about Phil. Dylan, who's yours?
2: Well, not a quarterback who went 0 for 2, that's for sure. But, uh, but they were gonna two go...
0: pretty incomplete passes, let me tell you that. And he ran the ball, dove out of bounds very unnecessarily. I He's going to be, be... – I, I know I'm uh, crowning him the next coming of – uh, you know, Joe Montana, Joe Theismann. Uh, but at the same time, he's going to be that quarterback who is a game changer. Well, I don't know when, but he will be in a game and you'll be thinking back to this saying, hmm, who said that he was going to be the next coming of the greatest quarterback to ever live?
2: Right. Well, I, I'll, right. I'll give you that. I mean, he's a physical specimen, too. right? Uh,
0: who's your third? He's track.
2: Yeah, I went with. The big boy, Alizé Mack. I thought he had a game, uh, partially because of Book. He was targeting finally. Uh, but this is a kid who's supposed to be a really talented tight end who could go high in the draft, but he's never really done anything at Notre Dame. He was a five-star recruit, um, and he missed the year with academic uh, suspension. But he broke through today. He had six receptions for 61 yards at 6.2 average, and uh, it seemed to be a big moment in the game. I can at least think of two off the top of my head where uh, Book kind of made a nice pass to him, Made a big play for a first down. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Alize
0: Mack. Love him. Tick-tock. Uh Steve, Steve. Uh, you said your third horseman was Jafar Armstrong. Uh, we had a little bit of a mishap in our recording, but why Jafar?
1: electric, uh, making plays in their passing game. Obviously, the running game. Eight rushes, 98 yards. That's that's an average of 12 and a uh, 12.2 two rushing touchdowns. He also caught a couple of passes uh, for like, I think 15 yards. So over a hundred total yards on the day, two touchdowns. Um, And he didn't touch the ball that much. And and he was uh, obviously very effective when he did grab the ball. So he, uh, he proceeds to be very, very, very good. And he is a one heck of a unique back with his ability to to you know obviously run and then move outside as the wide receiver, his natural position, to catch the ball and makes plays. So
0: now, what do you think with uh, Williams coming back? It, I mean, I like the thunder and lightning um, style. The I definitely think uh, he'll still get his uh, touches, and uh, but at the same time, Williams is exactly like him. I mean, Dexter's electric.
1: There's no, there is. It is inexcusable if Dexter Williams does not get 15 rushes, rushing attempts per game. Right. I agree. With that being said, I think it's a really good balance to get Dexter 15, and then you split 10 uh, attempts each with Tony and Jafar.
0: Agreed. Um, All right, second horseman. Uh, again, I think this guy's been the horseman every week. This week, I'll have to go back and look at the end of the season. Uh, Jafar Armstrong. Really nothing that Steve didn't say. Uh, Jafar, second horseman. He's a stud. Go Irish. Yeah. Um, same for me.
2: Uh, Jafar Armstrong. Um, I thought he was great. Um, like like you kind of touched on, he's just really fast. He's really shifty. Um, but I am a stats guy. You're an eye test guy, which, you know, I, I suppose we all are to an extent, but I like to look at the stats as well, and he's got those going for him. So eight carries for 98 yards. Get this. 12.3 yards per attempt. That is absolutely insane. He was breaking through defenses.
1: Steve? Horseman number two, moving on to Drew Tranquil. Uh six tackles and a sack. I think two tackles were for a loss. If I am not mistaken, I don't know. Maybe I can't read stat sheets correctly. Oh, so it was six tackles. Um Two assisted tackles and then one sack. So I mean, but Drew Tranquil all over the field, running all over the place. Uh, Tavon Coney played for the most part pretty well, but he missed one really bad tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it seems like you know earlier in their season that Tavon was playing great, and uh, Drew was playing pretty good in a lot of spots, but needed a little bit more consistency. Now Drew is just absolutely on fire. And uh, Tavon, you know, we would like to see a little bit more consistency, but you know what? They complement each other, complementary football, and I think uh, all, overall we have the best linebackers in the nation.
0: I agree. Uh, all right, number one, uh, we all know who everyone's number one is going to be. Uh, I'm not surprised. It's Ian Book. He accounted for five touchdowns. Five. That, it's insane. I, I hope that stat's right. Uh, he had. What, two passing, three rushing uh, touchdowns, I believe? Yep. And when he was running the ball, he looked fluid. He didn't look like a deer who just learned how to walk, kind of like when Tom Brady runs. he, He looked very comfortable running out of the pocket, and he had that swagger, and he passed the eye test. He has command of the locker room, command of his guys, and, really, he's going to be one of those guys who uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a C on his chest uh, in a year or two. Ian Buck, number one horseman.
2: Yep, can't disagree there. Um, he was a stud, number one for me as well. Um, Looking at some of his stats, it was quite impressive. Um, he had a 76.7 adjusted QBR. Um, it was actually downgraded from his raw score because Wake Forest force is fucking terrible. Um, but he threw for 325 yards, which is massive. I mean, when is the last time a Notre quarterback has thrown for 325? Uh, don't look that up. It was probably not too far. But uh, he also ran for 43 um, on 10 attempts, which is pretty good, too. I mean, once you're getting a quarterback who can do both, you keep the defenses off balance, and it's really effective. Um, the important thing, and the thing I highlighted here, 73.5% completion. Fantastic. That's something we've been asking for forever. Brennan Wimbush was a sub-50% guy. Um, last year, he was a little bit better this year. Uh, but getting 73.5, and look, a lot of them were dinks, a lot of them were nice short passes, but he averaged 9.56 per attempt. That's a really high number. Um, It wasn't just the short game. He was effective um, kind of throughout, uh, but he used the short game effectively, which was nice. Uh, five total touchdowns, two in the air, three on the ground, one to a fullback, which made me fucking die watching the game. It was most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, tight end lining up as a fullback on a play-action pass. It was so beautiful and 90s and white that I, I just felt so much pride. Um, and, yeah, uh, 173.2 QB rating, which is also insane. So fantastic
0: for him. And you're number one. I think everyone knows who it's going to be.
1: Yeah, obviously. It's Ian Book. Uh, he accounts for, you know, th- just under 400 total yards, 325 yards through the air, two touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles. Um, took care of the football, made the plays he needed to, stretched the field, and just he made all the throws. Uh, whether they be short five-yard throws, <clears throat> or or going deep. Um, you know, I, I think we're right now we, we're throwing a in this particular game, there was a few too many screen passes uh, for my liking. I only like a handful per game because I feel like at one point they get predictable, and you're really risking a pick six with those. But you know, Michael uh, Michael Young taking 166 yards, almost scoring, getting a uh, tackle at the goal line, that was an explosive play.
0: But that's also, just to interject real quick, is because of how bad the weight uh, corners were. They, they were playing, if you watch it, they were playing – Real close, blood, press coverage uh, for the majority of the game, which if you're going trips and you run, I, I didn't watch the uh, the tape over, but you go trips, you go, you know, uh, you know, doubles out there, spread it out. You're playing into the hand of the the uh, split end. Split mm-hmm. end can block you right away. So it, it opened up the game, and when they backed off, give me a five-yard cushion to run at you and crack your skull. And I'm still going to throw the the screen pass, so it just you know schematically worked. Stanford will be a little bit different. I think we'll see a little bit less screens because of how fast they are. But
1: yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, bottom line is the offense had life and we went from averaging 23 points per game. And we, we jumped that up to 56 this week, our highest uh, point total in almost two decades. So, you know, it's against one of the lower end power, five teams with wake forest, uh, even though they've had one heck of a program the last couple of years, and they've been building, they're kind of going through some transitions right now with a true freshman quarterback and a, a really uh, down secondary, but all things considered, um last two, three years wake has been pretty good. We just happened to come out this week and play electric, so obviously very happy about that.
0: All right. Uh we got our opponents this week. I just did the math. The Notre Dame opponents on the year are 27 and 19. Uh it's okay. I'm uh, running through them all. I know that we've been chopping them down each week, but figured we have a little bit of time. Might as well go through all of them. Michigan, three and one. Uh, they played Northwestern this week, uh, another one of our opponents. Ball State, not great guys. One and three. They go into play Ken, uh, Kent State this week. Vanderbilt, two and two. Play Tennessee State, should be three and two after the game. Wake Forest, two and two. They play Rice. Stanford, four and oh. Vatek, uh, they play Duke. They're two and one after that embarrassing loss to Old Dominion.
2: Oh, that's disgraceful. Uh
0: quarterback is out for the year, so that's interesting. And Duke is ranked, so again, very interesting there. Pitt two and two. They got UCF, so it'll be two and three. Uh Navy two and two. They're on a bye. Northwestern one and two going into Michigan. Florida State facing off against Van Gorder and the Louisville uh defense. The two and two as well. See, with Van Gorder at Louisville, it's it's Interesting. Everyone hates him there. <laughs> Twitter. I for some reason I got into this real weird Louisville Cardinal Twitter. Um, shout out to my friends in Kentucky. Um, they they don't like him, and I I could see why. Um, Syracuse four zero going against Clemson and the freshman quarterback.
2: Is that yeah. ups- Is that a, is that a possibility?
0: The freshman quarterback. Can they upset Clemson? Is what I want to know. Oh yeah, hundred no, percent. You you have, uh, you have the freshman quarterback starting. You have the tumultuous times that are going on over in Clemson now. That Kelly Bryant pretty much is saying, you know, I'm out. I'm not, not going to play for you guys anymore. Uh, they are playing uh, at Memorial Stadium. You don't play. You don't come out of Death Valley uh, unscathed. But as I said before, Dino Babers is the real deal. Uh, right now we're looking at a spread. The line is moved to 25 and a half after opening at 21.
2: Ooh, I might take that one.
0: And I, Syracuse definitely will cover uh, what I like most about Syracuse. And it's, they, they just, they play unselfish football. Dino Baber is coach of the year. Uh, and finally USC two and two, they play Arizona. USC is the biggest disappointment uh, this year so far. So I you know, looking at the opponents, Stanford obviously being 4-0 is huge. Uh, the fact that we only have two undefeated teams left on the schedule, very interesting. But it's really shaping up for Notre Dame to hopefully be able to uh, to run the table. And uh, that's really all I have to say about that. Uh, again, Virginia Tech, do better. And I really just hoping for some wins this week from the teams. We we need the strength of schedule to improve, so that's why I got there.
2: Yeah, um, pretty pretty good run through there. I mean, Michigan's looked really good lately. Um, That kind of helps us out. But uh, I'm I'm worried. What if if theoretically they went, you know, 11 and one with their one loss being us? Could they push us out head to head with an early season loss at Notre Dame? I wouldn't think so. But you know. They do play a tough schedule, right? Wisconsin's in there, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Notre Dame. That's a pretty tough schedule. I mean, they won't get out of there, you know, with just one loss. But, you know, we need Michigan to kind of pull through for us. And Stanford, after this, Stanford's got another tough schedule. So, yeah, do better, Virginia Tech.
0: Despicable. All right, so uh, we actually have a report from our neighbors to the north, Word on the street is there has been some rumblings with Chase Claypool's childhood friend. And uh, we're going to catch you up there. Uh, so Dylan, uh, what are you hearing up there in the uh, the Great North?
2: Well, I thought I recalled on my childhood memories and I thought I could tell you guys a story, actually, of me and my childhood neighbor, Chase Claypool. Um, so me and Chase, uh, we used to talk about making it big in America. It was a, It was a really big thing. Um, It was our dream to play. Um, He wanted to play football, and I wanted to cover him and talk about him playing football. That was our dream. But we knew that if we were to ever make it big in America, we would have to get rid of our uncivilized and uncultured Canadian accents. Um, But before that happened, we did have a conversation once. Um, We were at a Tim Hortons um, in Canada, and our moose were parked outside. So we were just sitting down enjoying it. And I'll kind of give you a a, a a narrative of how it went so I keep in mind here this was way back when before we learned how to speak properly but uh, so I was sitting there and I asked Chaypool I said Cla Chaypool I said, sorry to interrupt you drinking your coffee there bud you're double double uh, but uh, where do you want to play football and uh, you know Chase said to me he said, "Oh sorry for making you feel sorry D. Uh, but I think uh, I want to take a rip at Stanford. Um, because you know what? It's better than all this fucking snow here in Canada. And, uh, there's just so many babes. So, you know, that's something that bothered me at the time. Cause, you know, me being a big Notre Dame fan. So I said to him, you know, sorry, bud, but you know, Stanford is for hosers and for moose fuckers. What the fuck, bud? I said, uh, and there's no hockey, eh? Like, what are you going to do over there? So, you know, Chase turned to me and he said, oh, sorry, man. But, uh, where should I go and play instead, buddy? Like, I don't know, like, fuck. <laughs> so I said to him, you know, I remember this distinctly, and I said, um, sorry, bud, but you really got to play at Notre Dame. Listen, it's the most storied program in college football. Imagine wearing that gold helmet and running out of the tunnel. Holy fuck, bud, that's where you got to go. And uh, that's actually how Chase Claypool decided to play for Notre Dame. Um, I convinced him to. Um because Stanford is a joke, you know, they have no fans there, their mascot's a tree, and I told them this. So, you know, look for him Saturday um, to prove himself right by listening to me. And you guys can all thank me after he scores three touchdowns.
0: Well, that is, I, I've learned a lot today. First, I've learned that Canada is Southie in Boston yeah. with how they talk to each other, just with a lot of sorry's. Sorry, uh, was that a good Canadian accent? But anyway, you know that—that's that, a I, I, Chase Playpool childhood friend. I am speechless right now. Um, but moving on, Stanford—you're saying three touchdowns from him, yeah. and r- really touching on them. I don't understand. I—I I just fundamentally I, I don't get it. They have a tree as their mascot, which is weird. <laughs> it. it Going off of hockey, it's like the, the Flyers Grit mascot. It looked like someone designed this mascot and just said, have one try. Yes, it looks like a tree. Uh, when I try to doodle a tree, it looked like that. Uh, their, band, their band isn't students. They're just random people who live in Palo Alto. It, really? Yeah. It, their whole thing is like. They got in trouble for
2: right the cow game, right?
0: No, um, no, that not that game. It was recent. It was a bowl game last year. They made fun of a college like really bad. I, I wish I had more details, but the Stanford band so insignificant to me. But because they're just a bunch of non-students, just people living vicariously. It's a it's a weird band, um, and they have Bryce love and. Not to be mean, this is not meant to be mean at all. Chris Love is the most overrated player in college football. I don't put that on your bulletin board, David Shaw. (laughs) He is the most overrated player in college football. I will, I will bet the house on it. He, yeah, I mean, he'll if he runs for 300 yards and by some chance you know has a Heisman trophy campaign against ND at ND, okay. You're still the most overrated player in college football. You don't deserve the Heisman. I'm not impressed. You get a couple of hits on him. He's gonna he's gonna fold. And yeah, they have one of the St. Brown brothers. They have um, the other receiver. I'm blanking on his name right now. the The tall one. Uh, they have viable threats. The quarterback is very good. But when it comes down to the end of the day, this isn't a David Shaw. Stanford team. Steve, what are your thoughts on Stanford? Stanford are nerds. And yes,
1: um, it may be true if we're going if we're looking at stats uh, that out of the last nine contests Stanford has has gone seven and two against us with two of those wins coming in South Bend. Um, but they're nerds. And their rush defense is not looking good at all. They look pretty porous. Uh, this is not one of the better defenses that has, has come out of um, you know, you know Palo Alto in a, in, a, in a while now. And their rush offense, even though they have Bryce Love, now mind you, everyone's obviously stacking the box against them, but they're only averaging 3.3 yards per carry. No, I, I mean, I I think this lines up good for us. Uh, they have a not that great of a run defense. They have a rush offense that has been struggling. I mean, obviously that's the mainstay of their offense in general, but this doesn't seem to be one of the, one of David Shaw's traditional rough, tough teams that's going to come in with like a Toby Gerhardt and put up, you know, 300 rushing yards.
0: They're not hit you in the mouth, hit you in the mouth, hit you in the mouth, throw a pass over the top. The, they won the Oregon game because of two fluke plays and uh, inability to take a knee. So when it comes down to all of that, I'm not worried about Stanford. I should be, but I'm not. If you pull up the the stats of like Stanford overall in the year, nothing on paper jumps out at me whatsoever. Yeah, they're 4-0. Yeah, they're 2-0 in conference. But looking at Stanford itself, they're first in the Pac-12 North. Great for them. They've played San Diego State, USC, and UC Davis, and Oregon. None of those wins have been impressive. If you're looking at the roster itself, Kevin Costello, great player, and then you have Bryce Love. uh, Our second wide side was the the receiver I was thinking of. Their O-line isn't good. They're not going to be able to take the speed that Notre Dame has, and it's uh, KJ costello So I'll edit that out. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at everything right now. I watched the game again. I'm I'm just thoroughly unimpressed right now. Arcega-Whiteside is probably the one player that I'm most nervous about, and the fact that two top-10 teams have not squared off at Notre Dame under the lights since 2005. So, that's where I'm at there. Yeah, I mean – Also, just real real quick before I – I'm just going to cut you off. Uh, KJ Costello has thrown 10 touchdown passes in his first four games. Uh, right now, he's – he him, our Samuel whiteside great players. Bryce Love has only rushed for 254 yards and two touchdowns this year. That's all.
2: No, that's that's what I was getting at. Um, I pulled up some stats here. Um, I think your assessment was fair, but I would also say it kind of applies to us. We don't really – nothing that we've done jumps off paper either, but we're – 100%. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And look, this Bryce Love Heisman candidate, great running game. Stanford averages 104.3 running yards per game. That's 120th in college football. What's that and these one eighty three point eight run yards per game, and that's sixtieth in college football. So we're still early on. Um, offenses are kicking in, right? Yeah, fucking Appalachian State is still in the top five of efficiency scores. Um, but it doesn't. I, I'm not. I'm not scared of Bryce Love. Uh, maybe it's because teams are really overplaying them in the box. But I, there's not much there to suggest that Notre Dame should be too worried. Our front, our front four, our front. You know, what do we play six with two linebackers there? That's
0: really good. We're really good against the run. Um, just to just to trade you off real quick, if you're stacked in the box against Bryce Love, that means our Sega White side, KJ Costello, should light it up. Exactly. Yeah. Not, they're not lighting it up to the no to what you should see. You should see them putting up you know a seventy spot in UC Davis. So it, it's one of those things where. Everyone, hundred percent guarantee. Barstool College Game Day, love Barstool, Viva, um, ESPN Game Day. They're all going to pick Stanford. You think maybe Kirk Street will come around to ND eventually, but yeah. Stanford will be everyone's pick this week. Notre Dame is a five and a half point favorite in the game. Uh, it's moved from four and a half. Okay. So one of those. It, it's one of those things where, yeah, it may be a close game. I don't think so. But they're thoroughly unimpressive, but I don't know why. Hit me with some more stats. Um,
2: well, I'll tell you one one area where Stanford kind of has the speed a little bit, and that's turnover margin. Uh, they got uh, plus six turnover margin this year, and we're plus three.
0: But with two BS1s in the uh, the Oregon game, right? Yeah, I think so. Right, uh, so plus four. We'll, we'll do the P-Wagon adjustment to plus four.
2: P-Wagon adjustment. Uh, they're also pretty good at getting the quarterback. They got 13 sacks versus our eight. Um, but I think you brought up a good point. If they were stacked in the box against Stanford so much, you would see a better passing attack. And you're you're not really seeing a bad passing attack by any means. I mean, Costello's a good quarterback, but they're a methodical <coughs> offense. They, are, they run the ball. They control possession. Um, now that I say that, this game will end up being 54 or 43 or something. But um, they're not designed to be super explosive. Um, they're they're run heavy and their runs not working. So I think this is a game we should win um, because we're a better team. We got a better defense overall. Um, offenses are close. I think um, you know we're not super impressive. We don't really know with Notre Dame because a lot of our stats are frankly almost skewed by terrible quarterback play with Wimbush, right? We don't really know how good Notre Dame is with Book, so we don't really have stats kind of to adjust for that. Um, but, you know, overall, these are two smash-mouth teams. They're physical. It's Notre Dame-Stanford. I mean, they play the same style almost. Um, and it's going to be a good one because it always is. Notre Dame-Stanford is one of the best games in college football from just an entertainment perspective. So, yeah, it's, that's my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. let's, uh, let's look at a bright spot heading into the game where I think this might be a difference maker. Um, I mean, we know we have a great punter in, in Tyler Newsom, and, and we can, uh, if this is going to be an, a classic knockdown drag out fight with Stanford, then we know we can, uh, we can, I'm not going to say we're going to win the field position battle, but we're absolutely going to compete and have a hell of a chance to do pretty well with, uh, with punt returner Finky uh hopefully you know getting us uh, some good field position and also newsom hopefully pinning them deep but more importantly in the red zone last week with book taking over the offense Notre Dame went 7 for 7 That's the first time that Notre Dame had gone 7 for 7 since October 29th of 2011 it's been almost it, it's been 7 years and we did that against navy by the way and that was when navy was kind of a joke that was you know pre in years when they actually started competing with us. But again, let's not trigger ourselves. But yeah, I mean, we were, we were efficient. We took care of the football. And I think that's what it's going to take at home against this Stanford team.
0: Uh, you know, last thoughts that I have really, and ND should, in all intents and purposes, win this game. We're still eighth in the nation. I get it. There's teams that are... Outperforming other teams, LSU has somehow made a resurgence into, I believe, the top top seven. You're my number two. Your number, Dylan's number two. Yeah. But when you when push comes to shove, there's no there's no reason I can think of that Notre Dame loses unless they say, you know, Notre Dame, all the penalties goes, go against Notre Dame. you get Pac twelve crew. Uh, it rains in South Bend for five days, so we have to run the ball every play, and that plays into Stanford's hands a little bit more than ours. But we have Dexter Williams back off a four-game suspension. He's a different player than he was in the spring. I think he's going to be good. But you have him, you have Jafar. I tongue-in-cheek made that joke in the beginning uh, that we should run a single wing. But at the same time, why not run a Wildcat? (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. But why not run the Wildcat? You know, put a put two running bats back there. Run run a read option off of that. Don't throw. By no means throw the ball. Run it with a, a jet sweep, uh, a little speed option. I know this sounds like NCAA 13. Uh, I'm playing that right now. I'm using ECU. I've won a national championship already. Uh, beside the point. <laughs> you You have the speed. You have to use it. I love that we're you know taking risks near the red zone, but run the ball. You have a fullback. You have three, four viable running backs, and you have two mobile quarterbacks, three mobile quarterbacks. Sorry, Phil. Um, so with that, there's no reason that you can't game plan for whatever Stanford decides to throw at you. So with that, my prediction, Notre Dame, 31, Stanford, 17.
2: Wow. Yeah. Um. I think that's pretty pretty decent there, Hugh Wagon. Um. Another thing is we're at home. Notre Dame's good at home. Um. There is a narrative by some fans that I won't mention. Um. That just Kelly can't win the big game, and he's lost big games. Don't get me wrong. But I tweeted his record against the rivals at home is ten and five. The Big Four: uh, USC, Michigan, uh, Stanford, and Michigan State. I picked those four because of quality reasons. 10-5 and five at home, and two of them came in the season where we won four games, right? That Stanford game probably shouldn't have been a loss. That was, I mean, by far our worst team ever, and we really should have won that game. Um, and then that same year, we lost to Michigan State. Um, so really, you know, Kelly's good at home. Um, Notre Dame is a good home night game. When's the last time Notre Dame's lost a night game at home? You know, not counting that 2016
0: season. Like, 2005, USC, ND, I would have to say. I'm sure there's
2: been a few since then, but like the, the point is Michigan, 2012, 2014, 2018, USC, 2014 or it's 2015, 2017. It's like every time we're at home against these teams, we beat them. Stanford, 2012. Um, Notre Dame's good at home. It's a good atmosphere. Um, and I think that's going to be a huge factor into the game because Notre Dame and Stanford – tend to go back and forth with who's at home tends to win the game. Although Stanford got ahead of Kelly early on when he, when he came there. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. I don't know what to think of it. It's hard to kind of think of a score. Um, I'm going to say 34-24. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a 10-point gap. I think that's fair. Um that's a little bit higher scoring than I was thinking going into it, but you took 31, so I couldn't I couldn't take the same number there. Um, but yeah, I think we'll win 34, um, 24. Yeah, I think that's a decent score. I think it kind of represents the home field advantage. It represents the talent advantage that Notre Dame has, um, and it, it it should represent how the way the season goes for us. You know, this is if you get through this game, you might be in the college football playoff.
0: Think about that. Oh, I will think about that, Dylan. Steve, what do you think?
1: It's, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. I'm not going to get overconfident because, uh, God knows I'm a Notre Dame fighting Irish fan and I know all too well what it's like to have your heart literally ripped out of your chest and then pooped on in front of your eyes. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling like we are absolutely, absolutely going to, uh, control the trenches in this game. We have, uh, an offensive line, which I think is, is chomping at the bit now with uh, a quarterback behind them that can start moving the ball and and really opening things up. I'm going to go with, uh, geez. I'm going to go with maybe 24, 13 Notre Dame. Love it.
2: One, one thing, I guess I'll take the host role for a minute from you. Mm Um, Tell me what you think this rivalry means uh, because we play for the Legends Trophy, whatever the fuck that is. Um, but is this is this a rivalry you like? Is this a new rivalry? Um, where do you where do you see it among the Notre Dame rivals? Uh, what is, like what does it mean to you? Um, yeah, and kind of give me your thoughts on that. To be honest with
0: you, not much. I, I, it could be because I'm from the East Coast, but when I think Notre Dame rivals, I think USC, Michigan. Boston College, Navy, Michigan State. Stanford barely is a blip on the radar in terms of rivalries for me. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I went to the BCND game last year and I saw the electric atmosphere when we literally ran them out of their house. Uh, Navy, I grew up in a Navy household, so beating, uh, beating Navy every year was a point of pride. Uh, USC, obviously. Um, that's the biggest rival. Michigan, Michigan State, just because of the games that were played. But Stanford, I guess it would be a new rival. But for me, if we didn't play them, it would. I wouldn't lose sleep at night.
2: It's interesting that you said Boston College, because we haven't really played them too, too much either. But I suppose that's, you know, being – being from the East coast. You would That's see- mostly
0: because I also got into Boston college and I didn't get into Notre Dame. So I will refer that refer to them as my backup college. That's I that. didn't go to Boston college either. Uh, I could have, but um, I did not. Um, so, you know, with that, it being on the East coast bias, uh, being from New York, really, you didn't like Boston. Boston was the devil, the evil empire, even though you thought the Yankees are the evil empire. And when Notre Dame played Boston College, it was always a whooping. So, except for when Flutie was there. Um, It was always one of those beatdowns that you could rely on. But you just grew up not liking them because Notre Dame played them. And it was really the 90s, early 2000s. When Matt Ryan was there, he was a viable quarterback. I don't think Notre Dame ever played them when Matt Ryan was there. But at the same time, it was just, oh, they're in Boston. You're not supposed to like them.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I don't think you mentioned Purdue at all, which I think is hilarious because I don't think anyone outside of the state of Indiana gives a shit about Purdue, and most of Notre Dame fans don't live in the state of Indiana. So it's really funny when you see people talk about, like, their rivals and they, they down-talk Purdue and Indiana. and
0: It's like, we don't care. That's not The only good thing in West Lafayette is the road out of there. So <laughs> I for, I forgot Purdue was a team. Uh, but
2: isn't it kind of, I don't know, I don't, from my perspective, Notre Dame's rivalries have more been about respect than hatred. It's a, it, maybe it's just the way our attitude is towards other teams. But really, other than USC and Michigan, most of those rivalries are kind of like with some respect to each other. Like with Michigan State, it was for keeping us on their schedule. When Michigan tried to boycott us um, from all the Big, the big Ten teams. Um, Stanford is just a very respectable school like Notre Dame. The Navy, I mean, no, no need to say anything there for the respect we have for them. Um, Maybe not so much Boston College, but like I don't really have any ill feelings towards Boston College.
0: Notre Dame doesn't have a hated rival. I mean, I personally don't like USC. So that's where I'm at. Uh, you know, I, I always end this with cautious optimism. Uh, but, but let's win this Legends Trophy. Uh, again, Notre Dame, hammer, ND, five-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, bet the under, uh, the overhit, by the way, last week. Just thank you, everyone, for listening to me. And uh, any last words before we go into Stanford? Or Stanford comes but we go into the Stanford game.
1: Silicon Valley is for nerds. Go Irish.
0: Go Irish. And uh, other than that, that's all I got for this week. Go Irish. Yep, go Irish.